2: Rick
3: Welcome in another edition of Titillating Sports on the Sports Byline USA Broadcast Network heard across the United States, uh, up and down North America and all around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It can also be heard on SiriusXM, iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, the list goes on and on. As I always like to say, it's hard to not find somewhere that we're... It's hard to. Sorry, <laughs> I'm like as I always say, I don't know what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is, it's hard to find a place that we are not on. There we go. And uh, anybody listening to the American Forces Radio Network, and if you're a member of our military, I'd like to thank you for your service and your dedication and your sacrifice to protect us safe, especially this time of the year, the holidays. I know it's always tough being away from friends and family so thank you for what you do so that we can enjoy the holiday season with friends and family and be safe at home not a hugely packed show but we got some guests in about half an hour Karen Lyle will drop in for sales sport talk we've got a couple guests there um in the third hour we've got somebody from pro rate wagering find out who that is and we also have the editor for the world almanac and book effects that executive editor is sarah jansen other than that y'all's in your calls 1-800-878-PLAY 1-800-878-7529 give me a call we'll talk some sports just like christian did i may not know the nuances of every single sport but i'm down to talk about whatever sport it is I I guarantee I know more about Quidditch than Rick does. Rollerball? Nah, he got me. But anyway, 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. Let's do this thing.
4: Tis the season for big savings on HP Tech at Staples. This week, save $100 on an HP Smart Tank 7301 refillable printer. The HP Smart Tank makes printing worry free with up to two years of HP original ink included. From black and white docs to color prints, this wireless printer allows ultimate flexibility for busy families. And now save even more when you bundle an HP printer, PC, and monitor. The latest tech solutions are at Staples. The Working and Learning Store, offer good in store and online, ends 1217.
1: That's 800-298-9093. How would you like to publish and sell your own audiobook? Great stories deserve great storytelling. Audiobook Network provides professional voice actors and full production services for every author's manuscript. You'll choose from one of our many voice actors.
5: Have you heard about podcasting? With podcasts, your favorite radio shows like Sports Overnight America and the Video Game Review are delivered directly to your computer automatically so you can listen when and where you want, as many times as you want. And it's easy, too. Just go to sportsbyline.com and click on the Get Podcast button next to the show you want. Visit sportsbyline.com today.
6: Now, more of titillating sports with guest host Dominic Jimenez.
3: Welcome back into the show. Starting things off with a couple of open segments. You can give me a call, 1 800 878 play. 1 800, excuse me, 1 800 878 7529. We had Monday Night Football last night, and, you know, looking at the matchup. It was the Cardinals. It was the Patriots. All right, whatever. It's it was it was really a whatever matchup. You know the Cardinals have struggled this year. They haven't played as well as I think the expectations that were placed upon them. They they haven't matched them. Uh, Mac Jones regressed a little bit. Not that Mac Jones played at this exceedingly high level last year, but as a rookie, he looked good, and there was there were things that he did that looked made him look like an, a slightly exciting prospect it, it was a point last year just from the you know stepping into my little area of expertise the card market the trading card market Mac Jones was the quarterback that you wanted at one point last year when you were opening product it wasn't Trevor Lawrence it wasn't Trey Lance it wasn't Justin Fields you wanted Mac Jones now you Other than Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones played more than any other rookie quarterback last year. And Trevor Lawrence was on a terrible, terrible Jaguars team, so it's not like he was particularly doing anything. Sorry, Daniel. Uh, Daniel Ogden, producer uh, here at Byline, friend of mine. Big Jaguars fan. And the story is he went to one of those pencil machines... You know the ones that you would find at like a pizza place where you put a quarter in and you 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 turn it and a pencil drops. You got a Jaguars pencil as a kid and was like, "This is my team." I respect the commitment. It hasn't always been pretty. I think other than the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles, uh, it hasn't been pretty since like the mid two thousands. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, no, I can't think of anything. Uh, substantial the Jaguars have done besides that one AFC championship. So, Trevor looks like he's got might have gotten figured it out. Where was I? Oh, yeah, I was talking about cards. No, um, well, I was, but that point was done. Just saying, Mac Jones was the guy, and he hasn't looked at, as good this year. He's taken some steps back. He doesn't have an offensive coordinator that's normally an offensive coordinator. I'm still trying to figure that one out. We're in week four. Week we're through week fourteen now. And I'm still trying to figure out why Matt Patricia is calling plays for the Patriots. It doesn't make sense. His in, What feels like his entire career, I don't know if it actually has been his entire career, but at least for the last few years, Matt Patricia has made his name on the defensive side of the ball. I know Bill Belichick is hes really the defensive mastermind, but... It's just weird. It was always McDaniels was the OC, Patricia was the DC. Patricia went to Detroit, was supposed to be this defensive guru. That didn't happen. So it's bizarre. And Mac Jones, for the second week in a row, could be seen swearing, cussing, using words that I cannot use on the air because he was frustrated with the offense. Now, it doesn't help that starting running back Damian Harris is hurt. It doesn't help that new starting running back and, you know, co-running back really to enter the year, Ramondre Stevenson, got hurt during the game. He hurt his ankle, left, came back in the second quarter, and then was ruled out at halftime. He couldn't keep going. So the injuries on offense don't help there. And he, he's he got Hunter Henry as that tight end. I'm a fan of Hunter Henry, but... He's not going to light any worlds on fire, and he's throwing to guys like Kendrick Bourne and Devontae Parker, and there's injuries at the wideout position too. So it's not entirely on Mac Jones, not entirely on Matt Patricia, but the Patriots' offense has struggled. So what happened on Monday Night Football? The defense got the job done. There was a a fumble return for a touchdown. There were a couple picks of Colt McCoy, not Kyler Murray, Colt McCoy. More, More on Kyler Murray in a moment. And the Patriots ended up winning. In large part because of the defense. Now, Mac Jones got the job done. Was he lighting the world on fire? No, he wasn't. But he was doing enough. And in a, it, with a team that has a very good defense, sometimes doing just enough will easily get the job done. And the Patriots won comfortably. It was 27-13. to 13. And it was weird. It took more than two hours to to get the first half done. I think there was like 10 minutes left in the third quarter, and I looked at the clock and I'm like, this game's been going on for two hours already? And then the game finished in three hours. (laughs) How weird of a first half that was with the the injuries. I want to say six or seven different players got injured in the first half. Highlighted, obviously, by Ramondre Stevenson and Kyler Murray. Mac Jones, 24 for 35, no touchdowns and a pick. Are those sexy numbers? Not at all. Are they terrible? They're not terrible. They're not what you would like from your quarterback, but they're not terrible by any means, so it was enough to get the job done. Conversely, on the other side, the Cardinals with Kyler Murray, he got injured on the first drive. I believe it was like the third or fourth play, something like that. And it's... the season's done for the Cardinals already, but just kind of insult to injury. Now you're down your starting quarterback for the rest of the year, and probably for at least a portion of next season. Um, Kyler Murray scrambled outright, goes to make a a juke, or at least to stop, to change direction, and he goes down. I'll say 90% of the time when in the NFL... When we see a non-contact injury, when a guy doesn't get hit and he goes down, it's typically an ACL. There's a small percentage that it's like an Achilles or something, but most of the time it's a knee injury. MCL, ACL, whatever it might be. It's typically one of those two things. And I feel for Kyler Murray. It's been a frustrating season for him. It's been a frustrating season for the Cardinals. Again, there were expectations. They finished last season so hot. They're like, okay, we'll build off this momentum. DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for, I think he was suspended for six games, eight games, something like that, due to a positive performance-enhancing drug test. They weathered, They were going to weather the storm, and just it's been a mess all season. Kyler Murray has been fine. Hasn't been what you expected him. Uh, there, there was hope he was going to be an MVP candidate. That didn't happen. And now, insult to injury, third play of the game. He goes down awkwardly, non-contact injury. They think it might be a torn ACL. And if history has told us anything, like I said, it it's likely that it is a torn ACL. And I feel for him. But he just signed a five-year, $230 million contract extension. He's with Arizona through 2028. He's endured controversy, uh, whether it's you know fighting with Cardinals coaches and brass before he got the new deal, the reported clause that he had to do homework each week with the playbook, the once the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two came out, I think the Cardinals went on like a three or four game losing streak. So there was the joke: he's so busy playing Warzone on Mar- uh, Call of Duty that he's not actually studying the playbook and getting ready for the games. It was always something with Kyler Murray, and I don't know if it's because he's a shorter quarterback. I don't know if it's because he's a black quarterback who, it it seems like black quarterbacks are always under more scrutiny than other quarterbacks. Uh, Look at Lamar. How many jokes have you ever seen saying, oh, Lamar's not a quarterback. He's just a running back that throws the ball sometimes. I don't like that stereotype. I don't like that they're under more scrutiny, but unfortunately, that's what it seems like it is. I don't know what it is with the public against and the media against Kyler Murray. He's not the warmest guy, but it shouldn't matter. But now he's down for the season with a knee injury. Even if it's not a torn ACL, I don't see a way he in which he comes back or they, in a way that they push him back. So the Cardinals lose the game and they lose their quarterback as well. I'm Dominic Jimenez, more on the other side to the Sports.
1: Ask about Spirit's vision plan. Here's the number. 800-634-0482. 800-634-0482. That's 800-634-0482.
6: Titulating sports continues on Sports Byline USA.
3: Welcome back into the show. Dominic Jimenez in for Rick Tittle this week. You want to give me a call and participate? We talk some sports. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529 is the number to dial and hit me up. I didn't think I'd be talking about Tom Brady two days after the 49ers laid the smackdown on him and the Buccaneers. I didn't think there was going to be anything purposeful, anything meaningful, anything worth talking about with Tom Brady. And here I am, and there's two things about Tom Brady that I want to talk about. So how about that? The first thing regarding Tom Brady is what happened... After the, I guess technically they both happened after the game, but one happened on the field after the final whistle. So Brady threw two interceptions against the 49ers. One was intercepted by safety Tashawn Gibson. Gibson. G I P S O N. Tashawn Gibson. And the other interception was by linebacker Dre Greenlaw. After the game. Dre Greenlaw took the interception that he had, the ball that he intercepted from Tom Brady. Went over to Tom Brady, was chatting him up a little bit, telling him that he's a fan, he respects him as the greatest quarterback of all time, and then he asked him to sign the football. So I'll put that out there. You can tweet me at Dom Jimenez21 on Twitter. You can give me a call. You can tweet at Sports Byline USA. Just a really quick, what would you have done? If you were Tom Brady in that situation, are you signing that football? If your opponent who intercepted you earlier in the game amidst a blowout victory came up to you after the game and said, hey, would you sign this ball? What are you doing? And I'm not asking you... As you are right now, imagine you have the resume that Tom Brady has. You've got the Super Bowls. You've got the Hall of Fame first ballot. Heck, it might even be a unanimous vote. I don't see why it wouldn't. Actually, I don't, I don't, actually, I take that back. I don't think the NFL does it like that. I think they just say, these people are in. Yeah, now that I think about it, I don't think there's... He would be unanimous. But I'll put it that way. If I'm Tom Brady, I'd consider not doing it, telling him to he can go, you know what. But here's the kicker. Tom Brady, at this stage in his career, is smarter than I am. At least when it comes to stuff like this. Why? Because you know Tom Brady knows... Or he knew that every camera was pointed at him after the game. Now I'm not going to say Tom Brady is tr- actively avoids trying to be the villain, but I'll say Tom Brady's a smart cookie, and if he doesn't have to look like a villain, he's not going to go out of his way to do it. Every camera's following him. Every camera. Every other camera is following Brock Purdy. That's probably how it was. Maybe a couple on the coaches. Maybe one on Christian McCaffrey, but the focus is going to be on the two quarterbacks, even more so than normal because the I think it was the greatest age gap between two starting quarterbacks. I think uh, it was the first time Tom Brady ever lost to a quarterback making his first career start. I think he had been 6-0 and prior to that. I don't remember his record, but Tom Brady's record against rookie quarterbacks is something insane, so it was a big deal. And Tom Brady, it was a homecoming game for him. Only the second time he's played in, sorry, I can't say in San Francisco because this game wasn't in San Francisco. It was only the second time he's played against the 49ers in the Bay Area. Here we go. So They asked Tom Brady about it. I didn't ask him about it. He was on his Let's Go podcast on SiriusXM. It was S for me, to be honest. No, actually, I mean, look, it was a great play he made. I'm happy he's got the ball. I wish I didn't throw it, but I'm trying to be a good sport. That just kind of reaffirms what I was saying, that Tom Brady is so media savvy at this point, he knows the cameras are on him. He knows he's going to look like the sorest loser that ever existed if he refuses to sign the ball. Now again, my first instinct, no, nah, I'm not signing that, dude. You guys, great job. I'll give you credit. You intercepted me. I'd rather not sign the ball. Maybe ask me after I've changed outside the locker room or something. Then I'll consider it. See now, Tom Brady—he's—he—he he knows. So Tom Brady signed Drake Greenlaw's ball. Give me a call one 878 play one 7529 Let me know what you think. What would you have done if you were Tom Brady in that situation? Do you sign the ball? No. Okay. That wasn't the only thing that made moderate headline. I can't even say headline made was newsworthy. That came out of that uh, that edition of the podcast because Tom Brady did something he normally doesn't do, and I think that's partially because of it's a it's a Bill Belichick thing not to do, and he quote unquote gave the Bengals some bill not billboard. Oh gee, I, I, I've made this whole thing. I'm like he he did this bulletin board billboard. Yeah, Tom Brady really said something, and they're going to put it on every billboard in Cincinnati. No. Bulletin board material. And it was innocuous. There are times where a player will straight up say something like, I don't think that team's defense can stop us. That's pretty straightforward saying, uh, giving your opinion about what that team's defense might be. They're not going to score against our defense. No chance. That's real bulletin board material. That's very obvious. That'd be if I played for the 49ers and said, Seattle's got no chance. Geno Smith, he's trash. DK Metcalf is weak. It'd be something like that. That's very obvious. Now, Brady, whether he meant it or not, it was subtle. We were talking with J.D. Sharp yesterday. Hottest handicapper in the NFL, uh, NFL handicapper in the world right now, J.D. Sharp, pro wagering. And he said, watch out for the Bengals. The Bengals are clicking. They're playing great. They're hot. They look really good. We've seen what happens when they get hot at the end of the season. They made the Super Bowl. They've got a quarterback who's been to a Super Bowl, who has won a national championship. Unfazed, Joe Burrow. But a part of their success lately has actually been their defense. The defense has been fantastic of late. They've been solid all year. But they've been fantastic lately. So Brady goes, we're on to Cincinnati. Bill Belichick, uh, favorite quote. Great team. Great young quarterback. Fairly tough defense. Good skill players. They do a lot of things well. We're going to have to put everything we've got into it. Again... If you hear that quote, there's nothing that is egregious. He's not sliding Joe Burrow. He's not saying Joe Mixon is the most overrated running back in the NFL. He's he's not. I'm just throwing out examples of things Brady could have said. Could have said the defense was weak, and they haven't had a real test, and now they're going to face us. Nobody can guard Mike Evans. There was nothing like that. He said they have a fairly tough defense. But in the NFL in professional sports, the slightest, slight, actually, the slightest thing can be taken and run with by an opponent as fuel, as bulletin board material. And I think we might be blowing things out of proportion here. I don't I don't think Brady necessarily meant to slight them. And if he did, he was very subtle with it. It was good. Yeah, they had a fairly tough defense. The Bengals have been playing very well. They think they have a great defense. So, yeah, they may take exception to what Brady said. I know if I was on the other side, if I was a Bengals player, I'd be like, oh, fairly tough. We'll show him fairly tough. But that's how I'm wired. I'm going to assume there's at least a few people in that Bengals locker room that are wired like that on defense. And now they're ready to hit Tom Brady. Within reason on the field. The defense is 11th in the NFL in scoring and 6th in red zone efficiency. That's very good. And I didn't know this one. The Bengals' defense didn't allow a second-half touchdown until Week 8. Week 8. And they just beat the Chiefs two weeks ago. They're playing really well. The Buccaneers' offense, not performing well. So in terms of... Fairly tough. I think Tom Brady might have gotten this one wrong, and I'm not going to say he's going to regret it, but I'll tell you this. He's wrong. Now, he might stroll into the game, and the Buccaneers might hang a 30 spot on the Bengals. Can the Bucks stop the Bengals from scoring 31 points? I don't know. But I don't put anything past Tom Brady being able to do something. That's just how good he is. All right. Coming up after the break, salesport talk with Karen Lyle and guests. More of your calls later on. Also, 1-800-878-PLAY. I'm Dominic Jimenez. This is Taterlandy Sports.
7: This is Karen yeah. Lyle of Salesport Talk, and I'm here with Don Sanchez, legendary five-time Emmy Award-winning television journalist who spent 40 years at KGO-TV. He is also touching the sailing world, having been the MC just recently for the Sausalito Yacht Club's Lighted Boat Parade.
4: It was the 35th edition of this. Uh, they were expecting, they had registered 70 boats, and because of the storm and the wind, only 14 boats Showed up. There was such enthusiasm and just terrific decorations on these boats. These people really embraced it. You know sailors, they, the, the daring and the do and the creativity, and it really showed on some really interesting sailboats and powerboats. No kayaks, uh, kayakers this year, uh, which, you know, they usually weave in and out. And there were a, a few people who had not registered, and suddenly bring their boats on, so guess that we were not expected.
7: You also have been in the field for 40 years, have had 40 some... 40 years,
4: 5 months, and 3 days, but who's counting? Is that right? <laughs> well, I returned at the end of 2012, and then they brought me back. I used to cover the Academy Awards, so they brought me back to cover the Academy Awards one more time in 2013. Well, I did dance the night after the party after the uh, lighted boat parade. There were a lot of people inside at the Yacht Club, not out on the deck. We were out on the deck, obviously, to watch uh, the parade going by. There weren't a lot of people out there because, of course, it had been raining and it had been stormy all day. Interestingly enough, though, uh, the the parade started at 6 o'clock. Around 5.40, the rain stopped. The clouds parted. You could see stars as they went by, and uh, a little bit of light from the star looking at some of these boats going by. And usually there's also a fireworks show, and they had to cancel that because for safety uh, of the people who would shoot off the fireworks and uh, rock it and roll it out on the bay. And you know how San Francisco Bay can be. Yes. Really calm right along the Sausalito waterfront. There were still people out there, though, outside of, in the park by the yacht club and uh, the ferry dock cheering on these people. And the great thing is, I may have mentioned earlier, is the enthusiasm from the people on the boats. They were just. Thrilled, singing Christmas songs, and yelling at us on shore, good time. There was one I just oh, there was one boat that was depicting penguins and porpoises, and people were on deck in costume, jumping up and down. They were dressed up as fish, or <laughs> and uh, and penguins dancing up and down and just having a grand time. Uh, it's that's what it's all about, I think. You know, the camaraderie is sailing and being in a yacht club and uh, and stories that could be told so that was just it was a, it was a pleasant evening it was just delightful.
7: Well Don, it's been such a pleasure to have you come and visit us for a short spotlight for Salesport talk. I look forward to dancing with you on the air again. All right.
3: Alright, thank you for that. Dominic Jimenez here, Sports Byline USA Broadcasting Network, heard around the world in the American Forces Radio Network as well. It is that time, 40 after of the first hour, where we bring in our friend and sailing aficionado, Karen Lyle. Karen, how you doing today?
7: I'm great, Dominic. It's really great to be here as I am every Tuesday, and you too.
3: I'm looking. F- I'm, I'm glad that you're here and in studio. Always a pleasure having you joining us. And I'm actually going to hand this thing off to you, Karen, and let you do your thing. So, Karen, take it away. Salesport Talk.
7: Well, as you know, I'm Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk, and today we have two guests with us from the Los Angeles Yacht Club, Commodore Kelly Marie, and Women on the Water Chair Sue Tholtz. How are you both doing?
2: Doing great. great Thank so you much for having us.
7: So I'm going to ask each of you um, some questions about what you're doing there in Los Angeles because it's been a little while since we've heard from LA Yacht Club. And Elliott Club is actually the place where the concept for Salesport Talk started. It was at your um, opening day ceremony that I looked out there and saw those 100-plus Commodores from all around the uh, greater Los Angeles area and the big fanfare and realized that sailing as a sport was not represented in mainstream sports and came up here to Sports Byline to give it a start. And so I'm always going to give credit there to LA Yacht Club for being the inspiration to remind me of the fact that sailors like to be talked about. So, (laughs) Kelly, you you are the Commodore now. And tell us a little bit about your year.
2: Um, the year has been fantastic. Uh, we've had a great leadership team and um, a great season of racing and a great season over at our outstation in Hallam's Landing. Um, and actually, we just had our annual dinner and um, membership voted me in as Commodore again uh, next year. So I'll be uh, Commodore again, and I'm <laughs> looking forward to that. That's great. Uh, <laughs> I think you're the,
7: the third woman Commodore at the Los Angeles Yacht Club. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. We have Marie Rogers also um, and uh, Carol Armitage, and they uh, actually founded WOW.
7: That's right. I remember I used to fly down to L.A. for business and step on over to San Pedro and take out one of those Cal-20s with uh, Marie (laughs) Rogers. That
2: was quite a bit of fun. Yeah, and under Sue's leadership, WOW has really taken off um, and is our largest growing segment um, within a membership uh, demographics and it's really really exciting um, to see that happen. Sue
7: let's talk a little bit about the Women on the Water program at Los Angeles Yacht Club. So what is it that you are doing in your outreach in the community um, that brings water women into the program for you?
2: Well, I, I can't take all the credit here. I have a co-chair, um, Kelly Millar, who has been instrumental in bringing people in by personally making invitations and doing outreach um, really essentially by phone, right? And And finding interested women and personally inviting them every single month and making them feel welcome. I think the two of us really try to make this a very welcoming group for folks who are new to sailing, for folks who are interested. Um, and essentially, we just try to have a good time. And, and if we have a good time, then folks bring their friends, right? And it, and it grows every single month.
7: Kelly, tell us a little bit about what you find so appealing about being on the water on a boat, and especially maybe even the captain of that boat.
2: For me, um, it's really about adventuring. I'm, I'm definitely, I love racing, and I'm very competitive. Uh, but I love to go exploring. Um, uh, I have a fifty foot uh, classic uh, catch called the 2. Um, we actually just refitted um, and lined it with some carbon fiber and. Uh, made it a new wood boat. So I'm very excited to be back on the water. I, I actually didn't even have my boat the last year as Commodore, and that kind of, um, that was really actually hard for me. Um, so I'm really, really looking forward to next year um, and sharing the experience of being on the boat with people. I think that's one thing that I really do love is, you know, people who haven't been on the water, um, giving them that experience and um, sharing the avenue that uh, even if you don't have a boat, you can still get on the water at Los Angeles Yacht Club because we have our community sailing program. And again, wow.
7: <laughs> and wow is the nickname for the women on the water too. So it's a it's a Absolutely. good it's a good it's a good wow. Sue, so tell <laughs> us about Howland's Landing because Los Angeles Yacht Club historically, um, for long before many of us were were born, had this connection to. Catalina Island and how does WOW interact with Catalina Island?
2: For many of our WOW members, um, you know, we, we have our own boats, and we're able to go over um, to Howland's Landing and more over there and use the outstation and use the facilities there, but for many of us, we, we don't have our own boats, and um, so once a year, uh, we take a lot of our community sailing members who do not have boats but who are part of the Women on the Water group over to Howland's Landing to the outstation so we can all experience it together. So we do a Women on the Water cruise, and this Year we had um, four boats go over and we had a fabulous time on the weekend with just our group and uh, we were able to just enjoy the time over on Howlands and for you know for many folks it was a first time and it was just magical and of course you know immediately after that um, one of our members turned around and, and ended up buying a boat right <laughs> <laughs> I that that's a big driver in and allowing women to experience that outstation and say, oh, my goodness, I have to be able to come over here anytime I want. This is magical.
7: Well, it does make a big difference when you own the boat and you get to set the rules and be in charge of the um, the comings and goings and the galley as well as the the cockpit. Um, so, Kelly, what do you find to be the most fun part of going to Catalina Island?
2: <clears throat> Again, the adventure. I um, Catalina Island, it's a landing. Um, you, it's so special. Um, you can't recreate it anywhere else. Uh, there, it's safe. It's quiet. It's 22 miles away from San Pedro. Um, the kids run free. And what's beautiful is that uh, LAYC, uh you know, legacy families, uh, we have a majority of the moorings in there. So you can go over with ease um, and it's like our backyard and it's all our L.A.Y.C. family and friends that we all get together. And that's the most special part. Like you just, what we have is so special that you just cannot recreate it anywhere else.
7: This is Karen Lyle and I am here on Salesport Talk on Sports Byline talking to Commodore Kelly Marie and WOW Chair Sue Tholtz from the Los Angeles Yacht Club. Sue, What is the most, I guess, hair-raising experience that you've had on the water?
2: (laughs) Of course you have to ask this question, don't you? All right, Karen, uh, my family and I, I'm I'm fresh coming off of this one, and... uh, we went over to Howland for our Thanksgiving dinner. So we did this last year. And last year we also, that was our first time going over to Howland. And um, we ended up, you know, in a, in a difficult mooring situation where we were arriving later in the evening than we had expected and uh, trying to moor in the dark um, for the first time on our own. Um, but I will say that even though it was kind of difficult with just myself and my husband and my two kids, my two teenage kids, um, we ended up seeing um, a gigantic whale. Uh, you know, a, a big baby whale just coming right underneath our boat in Howland's Landing. So our most difficult experience certainly turned into the most beautiful experience. And seeing all that bioluminescence, um, you know, that was that was just. You know, it reminded us why we were there, right? Even though we were so stressed out, it was so difficult. We'd had a trying day. Um, You know, we just experienced this most breathtaking moment. and, And we said, oh, we have to do this again. And, of course, again, this year at Thanksgiving, we again had, you know, yet another turbulent moment when the seas turned, <laughs> turned unexpectedly, um, very, uh, you know, way more surf than we had intended for, and, um, and we ended up having a very uncomfortable evening on the boat. Um, so not exactly anything quite super dangerous, just, you know, many moments of great stress and discomfort so far.
7: Well, usually, I think when you're the boat owner, you're very aware of the boat units, and a boat unit is a thousand dollars, as we call it, boat units that we spend on our boat if something goes wrong, right? <laughs> and so, so how deep is the water there, Sue, um, underneath the the boat? Because you're saying that the whale came. Were you already on the mooring at that time? And, and we were. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to know if I mean it's. I was thinking it was fairly shallow, so I'm really surprised that the the whales came in that close.
2: Oh my goodness, I was I was shocked too. I think it was a baby. It wasn't gigantic, but when I heard the sound, I thought, "Is that a sea lion coming out?" You know, what is that? And because I, I heard the breathing, and then we turned around, and there in the moonlight was this whale. You know, just going underneath us. So Kelly, how deep is it there in the in the sea row there? And this, I don't. I'm not sure. And I mean, it's we. There's several rows Karen, of moorings and sea uh, row. I don't know, Sue. actually. I guess 25 okay. feet, maybe. Okay. But even yeah. in the closest, we're still in 14 feet. Even at, you know, when you're in a row and you're at the closest to the beach, it's still a good you know. You know, depending on the tide, um, 12, 14 feet right there. Even at the at the closest.
7: Kelly, when you're out there sailing at night. And sometimes that's a, 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 a plan or not a plan. What is it that you like about night sailing or don't like?
2: I actually love night sailing through the port.
4: Uh,
2: I think the Port of Los Angeles is one of the most prettiest places to explore in the evening. And all the the big cranes, I I think those those you know being right there in the port and seeing all the industry and seeing all the lights, that is pretty magnificent to see. I mean, yeah. even during the day, obviously it's breathtaking, but to see these gigantic cranes and the whole infrastructure of the port, um, I, I think at night, it's when it's all lit up. It, it looks like Christmas all year round. Yeah, and it also reminds me of Star Wars, right? Like all the yeah machines and everything. It's like yeah, it's very. It's, it's very uh, inspirational almost
7: one of the things I enjoy too is the the lights on reflected in the water when you're out sailing mm-hmm. at night because mm-hmm. you'll you'll see the especially if there's a little bit of color in the light you know the the, the water just becomes like a, a jewel case
6: yeah it's
2: Tuesday tonight's taco Tuesday a group of people always get together and we take our get on boats and go to the city dock and walk downtown to, for dinner um, and it's just it's, it's a fun activity to do.
7: So, what do you find is the most rewarding part of having learned the skill of sailing?
2: Well, I, I will say that I've, I've come to sailing as an adult, so I didn't sail as a family. I grew up in the Midwest and central Illinois where there's a lot more corn than there is ocean. And, um, you know, we, we started sailing. Um, when we lived in Chicago and, you know, as an adult learner, it's, and we're always trying to learn, aren't we? I think, I think a lot of sailors are just people who are perpetual learners and never quite done. And I think it's, you know, just building that confidence. And of course, it's, it's just doing another, it's, it's doing another thing outside. It's enjoying the peace. It's enjoying the, you know, all the adventure. I'm a wildlife enthusiast. I'm a big birder. And so I am always out for finding new birds. And so, you know, what, what isn't exciting about sailing? Right. (laughs) It's, It's always something new to try. It's always a new place to go. And when you imagine all the places that are inaccessible by land or by car and you think about how much more you have to explore by being on a boat and how much more is accessible to you. Um, that, is, that is really worth
7: fantastic. Well, it is such a pleasure having both of you here, Kelly Marie and Sue Tholtz from the Los Angeles Yacht Club. And this is Karen Lyle from Salesport Talk. And I'm going to be back here again next week on Tuesday Morning.
1: 800-754-4531
6: You're listening to Dominic Jimenez on Sports Byline USA.
3: My thanks again to Karen Lyle for handling, taking the reins of Salesport Talk there. Great job once again, Karen. Uh, Wrapping things up this hour with some pretty sad news. Uh, Mississippi State football coach Mike Leach has passed away. Uh, Over the weekend, he was... It came out that he was in the hospital and that his condition was not good. Things were not looking good. He wasn't doing well. And uh, there were a lot of um, thoughts and prayers and people reminding, oh, Coach Leach is a fighter. He'll get through this. uh, But he's definitely going to need everybody's best. Well, uh, Leach did pass away Monday and the college football game has lost a great coach. He was one of the innovators of the air raid offense. His, his coaching tree includes guys like Sonny Dykes and Lincoln Riley, Cliff Kingsbury, who's the coach of the Cardinals. And this is impressive for a guy who never played football in college. Uh, he didn't have college football experience until he took a job with Cal Poly many, many years ago. And for me, I'm not a huge college sports fan. So most of my Mike Leach remembrance and knowledge was he was funny, man. That that's what I'm remembering about Mike Leach today. Not the air raid offense, not not what he did as a coach, not the you know, some of the drama he had as a coach getting released from Texas Tech. No, I'm remembering because he was funny. He was de- He was a straight shooter. So even if he wasn't trying to be funny, he was so serious when he would give some answers that he was hilarious. So at age 61, Mike Leach, Mississippi State football coach, has passed away. My thoughts with his his family, uh, the team, his players, and everybody whose life uh, coach Mike Leach impacted I'm Dominic Jimenez. We've got more titillating sports after the news.
1: Radio
8: News with Lance Pride. On a year-to-year basis, inflation hit 7.1%, a slowdown from the 7.7% in October and lower than the 73 expected by analysts. On a monthly basis, inflation continued to rise at one-tenth of a percent. A B-2 Spirit stealth bomber suffered damage over the weekend when an in-flight malfunction forced the crew to make an emergency landing in Missouri, about 70 miles southeast of Kansas City. Firefighters at Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri extinguished a fire at the scene. A spokesman says no one was hurt and an investigation is underway. The internal Twitter files are revealing facts that some in the federal government have been censoring content from the American people with the help of Twitter officials. Members of the FBI, Department of Justice, and CIA were meeting weekly with Twitter employees to create a narrative and exclude those on the platform that disagreed. Now Elon Musk's Twitter has removed the Trust and Safety Council of about 100 people, saying there's a better way to do the work as he attempts to restore faith than Twitter. Just before he was expected to talk to lawmakers in the United States, Disgraced cryptocurrency trader Sam Bankman-Fried, Democrat mega-donor and the founder of FTX, was arrested by authorities in the Bahamas Monday night after criminal charges were filed by U.S. prosecutors. The charges include wire fraud, wire fraud conspiracy, securities fraud, securities fraud conspiracy, and money laundering. The Department of Energy is planning to announce a major scientific breakthrough today at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California. It's one of several sites where researchers have been trying to develop the possibility of harnessing energy from nuclear fusion. Fusion can be turned off like a light switch and does not create any long-lived radioactive nuclear waste. USA Radio News. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well An electrical grounding bolt connected to the heating system on some Subaru Ascents may have been improperly fastened. That's why the companies were calling the SUVs made between 2019 and this year. But before you get to the dealer for a fix, Subaru recommends you park your Ascent outside away from the house and don't leave it unattended while the vehicle is running. That's the Subaru Ascent made in the past three years. I'm Richard Johnson. India says its forces have clashed with Chinese troops in the disputed area along the border, the first such conflict in more than a year. The two nations had been working to ease tension since a major clash killed 24 troops in 2020. But on Monday, the Indian Army said there had been a clash in the Tuwang area last Friday. That's on the eastern tip of India. Minor injuries were reported. The Taliban are reporting armed men opened fire on Monday inside a hotel in central Kabul popular with Chinese nationals. The gunmen were killed by security forces. Eighteen were injured and three dead, is the report. The militant Islamic State group has now claimed responsibility. Beijing on Tuesday advised its citizens in Afghanistan to leave the country as soon as possible. The Geminids, considered to be the best meteor shower each year, will be very active tonight after midnight. Thanks for listening. My name is Lance Pry and we are USA Radio News. If you have
4: a small business, Staples has your sign. Banners for my bakery? Staples has your sign.
0: Oh, posters for my new pet store.
4: Floor decals for a pharmacy. Every day, Staples Associates help every kind of small business create bold signs to make big impressions. And now get $10 off custom signs, banners, and posters when you spend $50 or more. This is your sign. So print it big at Staples. Ends 10-1. Visit staplesconnect.com slash thisisyoursign for details. We'll be right back.
5: And you don't even have to leave your home.
3: Oh wait, that's right, I am on the air, I, I forgot, no, I'm just kidding, I totally knew exactly where I was and what I'm supposed to be doing, and right now what I'm supposed to be doing is talking sports to the listening public. This is Dominic Jimenez, I'm in for Rick Tittle this week here on Tittle Eating Sports on the Sports Byline USA Broadcasting Network, heard on iTunes, iHeart. Stitcher, Sirius, streaming live through our website, sportsbyline.com. Click the Listen Live button. You can listen live. Also heard on the American Forces Radio Network. I'd like to thank you for your service and keeping us safe and allowing me to sit in a cold room, talking into a microphone, talking about sports, Sports for a few hours at a time so thank you for what you do in keeping us safe it's funny we've, I've been watching the San Francisco Giants they're, they're in on Aaron Judge but they didn't get him they're in on Kodai Senga but they didn't get him they're in on Carlos Correa we'll see what happens they were in on Carlos Radon we'll see what happens They've signed Mitch Haniger, who I like Mitch Hanniger, but if that's going to be the highlight of the offseason, that's not really the move Giants fans were hoping for. Uh, and they've also signed a couple pitchers. A lefty who was in the Bay Area last season. No, not Carlos Renone. Sean Manaya Two years, $25 million. And then they also signed another pitcher, Ross Stripling, formerly of the Dodgers, and it was with the Blue Jays last year. Also, two years, twenty-five million dollars. Some, some, some tells me they're not going to get Carlos Rodon or Carlos Correa. Oh well. If you want to give me a call, we can talk some sports. i got guests in the next two segments. Uh, 40 after, wide open. Let's do it. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. I'm Dominic Jimenez. You're you. This is Jitter Sports and the Sports Byline USA Broadcast Network.
1: How would you like to publish and sell your own audio book? Great stories deserve great storytelling. Audiobook Network provides professional voice actors and full production services for every author's manuscript. You'll choose from one of our many voice actors. Bring your story to life with audiobooks. Consumers are mobile these days, and having an audiobook helps authors reach a larger customer base, which increases book sales. From narration, production, and editing, to distribution, promotion, and sales, Audiobook Network does it all for you. That's 800-871-9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details. If your loved one has passed away due to COVID-19, pay close attention to this message. You could be entitled to a death benefit of over $300,000. The U.S. government has set up a fund to pay families relief if they've lost a loved one due to COVID-19.
3: All right, welcome back into the show. Dominic Jimenez here, Sports Byline USA Broadcasting Network, 10 after of the third hour. You know what that means. It's time to talk with one of our friends over at Pro Wagering. We talked to him yesterday, but he's just too hot of a handicapper in the NFL to keep him down in a way. so we're bringing J.D. Sharp back onto the show. J.D., a really ugly Monday night football game. Did you have any action on the Cardinals-Patriots game?
9: No, I didn't. I, I looked at it. Um, I thought about taking the Patriots money line, like two units, something like that. But I just, I, I didn't love it, and I think the Patriots would have lost if Kyler Murray didn't get hurt. So I, I think that I made the right play by staying away. I, I would have leaned the over, and again, I think that if Martin Murray would have played, the over would have hit. But uh, it's just, just a really, just a really strange game. It's kind of a, kind of disappointing that that that's what we had to watch on Monday Night Football this this late into the season. A six and six Patriots team against a four and eight Cardinals team, but so be it. So yeah, no no action on that game. So I I completed this last week three and 56 and twenty on the year seventy three point seven percent. I fit nine of my last ten games uh, plus fifty eight units. I'm actually you know remember Brandon Lang and two for the money. He had this he had like a great run for six or seven weeks and he just absolutely just kind of fell off the face of the earth. I've passed his numbers at this point, so I'm I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling very good about, about my NFL season and solidifying myself as the, the, the top NFL sports better in the country.
3: Yeah, see, I can forgive some of the Thursday night football games because those were, I mean, all of them are picked before the season, but a lot of the Thursday night games that have been bad have been what could have been good matchups. Uh, not really an excuse for throwing the Patriots and the Cardinals on a Monday night football, uh, no matter what you thought both teams were going to do. Um, Kyle, you mentioned Kyler Murray got hurt, torn ACL. That was confirmed about ten, fifteen minutes ago with an MRI. Where do you stand on the fields because the turf fields because it's been, it hasn't been this much of a debate I, that I can recall ever, and I it's seemingly more and more guys are going down with ankle with knees, and they're the players are starting to be more vocal about it. Do, do you see any scenario in which they go to some type of uniform field from field to field, despite the different stadiums.
9: Yeah, I think they should. I think they should seriously consider doing that. There have been a lot of injuries caused by turf, and turf it's really, really hard. And when you land the wrong way, or when when you cut the wrong way, or you cut too hard, or you're too athletic, and your your, your torque is just too much, it can it can give out, and it, it can be a pretty bad deal. So yeah. I would I would think that that would be the correct decision by going to grass and I think it, it, it makes more sense, you know, despite the fact that you do have obviously some of those some of those dome stadiums. But they'll have to find a way to make it work. And I'm sure there is a way to make it work. Maybe that means putting some type of uh, I don't know, some 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 type of opening, creating some opening and to, to ensure that the the grass is able to grow. Again, I'm I'm not a I'm not a logistical specialist on the on the agricultural side by any stretch of the imagination, but the, the injuries have gotten too severe and too consistent, and there's too many good players going down for too long. Uh, I think that that there has to be a decision that needs to be made pretty soon.
3: I'm seeing reports that Sean Payton is wanting to come back for 2023. How much does the coaching staff factor into when uh, factor into your handicapping? Like, or, do you look at the Raiders and say, "Hey, you know." Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs have been fantastic, but I'm not a believer in Josh McDaniels. Does the coaching staff ever come into play much uh, for you in your handicapping games?
9: It really doesn't. Uh, it, uh, and that's a great question. I never actually asked that question before, but I, I rarely, if ever, think about something like that. Instead of coaching staff, what I would take a look at is maybe the kicker. Because a really good kicker can be the decision between six points, a winning game. You know, the, a kicker that, that makes it from 50-plus consistently is so much more valuable than, than a kicker that, that maybe has a range of 49 or isn't, or isn't consistent from 50-plus. So, yeah, I mean, coaching staff obviously does have a, a – it, it matters, but it doesn't matter as much as the average person thinks it does. Uh, you still have to have a team on the field. And, and now it, 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 in one scenario where, where I may factor it in as if there is two teams that are nearly as talented – as each other and one coach, maybe like a Brandon Staley, who's known to make very, very aggressive decisions on a consistent basis. Uh, he likes to go for, go for fourth down. He'll, he'll go for 60 yard field goals. He'll go for it on his own 30. In, in a situation like that against, I guess, maybe like a Belichick, but even in that scenario, I think that the Chargers are so much more talented than the Patriots. I, I might not even factor that in, but maybe a, a Staley versus a, I don't know, Doug Peterson's kind of like him, too. Um, a, a, a team I can't think of off the top of my head right now, but a, a team that's nearly as talented who in a coach that's more conservative who, again, probably has a better kicker, um, I, I would look at something like that. But I think that thinking about coaching is kind of noise at this point. Uh, the media uses that to kind of manipulate the way that that the average handicapper uh, approaches handicapping a game instead of using the correct data points, which I clearly am using.
3: And one more NFL question before we move on to the NCAA basketball um Trevor Lawrence I, I feel like he's turned a corner you know at the end of last year a lot of the hype was about Mac Jones they we weren't we weren't talking about Trevor Lawrence we weren't talking about Trey Lance we weren't talking about Justin Fields other unless we were talking about how disappointing they've been or when are they going to get onto the fields and it was it was all about Mac Jones he was the most consistent rookie quarterback last year not that he was lighting up the world but he was consistent and Trevor Lawrence was one of the, the most hyped quarterbacks coming out of college, coming out of Clemson. He's got the national championship. He's got the golden boy look. He was struggling. And it's not entirely on him, the Jacksonville Jaguars, not an overly talented team. But they've they've seemed to turn a corner, and I think Trevor Lawrence is starting to figure it out. Um, for you, you know, you're keeping an eye on a bunch of different teams, a bunch of different players, and a bunch of different games every week. What are you liking, if anything, from Trevor Lawrence? Because I think he's turned things around and is showing why he was the first overall pick.
9: Yeah, he's, he's, he's really, really fast. He's got an absolute cannon for an arm when he wants to. Obviously, he's got the prototypical size at 6'6, 220, and he, he clearly looks the part of, of kind of that, that. He's got that all American look and that, that first round draft pick, that number one pick look for sure, that Hall of Fame kind of look. Uh, he really has a lot of talent around him now, too. Christian Kirk today, Jones, who had a great catch at the end of the half, first half last week against the Titans. Has played really well. Um, Evan Ingram has stepping up the tight end. Etienne is, is a pretty explosive running back, but he does fumble a lot. Uh, so again, he's got, he's got, he's got Jamal Agnew, who's kind of that DeAndre Carter or that Kevante Turpin type of role or even Marcus Jones for the Patriots. He's done pretty well as well, both as a kick returner and as a wide receiver for Lawrence. So yeah, I, I think that Trevor Lawrence, is going to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to give him additionally to to, to build around. I, I would, I mean, because you look at what happened with Burrow, right? Like the Bengals, they had Boyd and they had Higgins, and then they said, you know what, you know, they could have drafted Penay Sewell, and Penn I Sewell's had a great career for the Lions, and and, and he's obviously going to be probably a Hall of Fame player. He's even he, that Anthony Munoz as far as you know, the, the talent level, and even his. The, the amount of success he's had in the NFL in his short career. Uh, Jamar Chase, if he didn't get drafted by the Bengals, I don't think you could say that Joe Burrow has had, would have as much success as he's had so far, even even with Boyd and with Higgins, because one, he's never had a tight end that, that's been even decent, except maybe zoom a little bit. And then I don't think, and then Mixon's very injury prone, and, and, and he did have some O line problems, and, and Sewell would have, would have solved some of those, but for, I mean, two years ago, Burrow's O line was 50 sack bad, so that wouldn't have made a difference. So I, would, I think that if you got Lawrence, maybe like a Quentin Johnston at a TCU, uh, a big play wide receiver, um, an elite wide receiver, I think it would make sense because it made sense for Burrow. But if they don't do that, they have to get him more talent on the offensive line. They have to get him a goal line back in some capacity, and then obviously make that defense a little better. But yeah, um, I, I like what I like what I've seen from Lawrence. I like this matchup against the Cowboys. I think they have a chance to win the game outright. We'll see. I'm not a big fan of back I never really have been. Um, and if Shaquille Griffin plays, that'll give them a little more ability to, to shut down Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb, who's had a great year himself. But you, you get Trevor Lawrence, a C.D. Lamb, or a Jamar Chase type of talent, I think you could see the Jaguars make a step like the Bengals made in the last couple of years. But without that, I, I think they're going to be good, but I don't think they're going to be uh, Super Bowl contenders anytime soon.
3: There it is, and really quick, Penice Sewell with a very nice first down catch on a trick play over the weekend, too. So take that, Jam- <laughs> take that, Jamar Chase. Uh, that is yeah. J.D. Sharp of Pro Wagering, the hottest NFL handicapper in the world. J.D., always a pleasure talking to you, man. Take care.
9: Hey, thanks a lot, Tom.
3: That was J.D. Sharp of Pro Wagering. I'm Dominic Jimenez. Coming up on the other side, we're going to talk almanacs. Yeah, how about that? I didn't know they still made them. So this will be a good one. I'm Dominic Mendez. This is still any sports.
0: Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? Quick cash offer can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately.
1: 800-788-1495, 800-788-1495, 800-788-1495, 800-788-1495, that's 800-788-1495. ask about spirit's vision plan here's the number 800-634-0482 800-634-0482 that's 800-634-0482
6: you're listening to dominic jimenez on sports byline usa
3: Welcome back into the show. Dominic Men is here. We are about to welcome in our guest right now. And we are very excited now. We are. I am very excited now to be welcomed by Sarah Jansen. She is the executive editor of the World Almanac and Book of Facts 2023. And Sarah, take me through the... Welcome to the show. Take me through the process of starting. Like, where do you start when assembling the annual World Almanac? I feel like there's so many places you can start, so much information, so many facts. Where is it that you start?
10: Well, you're right that it is a a big job every year. There's a, (laughs) a lot to get in. Obviously, you know, we start from the previous year's edition, and we do sort of an analysis of what worked, what didn't, what features will be returning, what won't, and that's a starting point for just looking at the news of the year, what needs to be added, what we know to expect. So, like, at the beginning of 2022, we knew we were going to have the Winter Olympics, we knew we were going to have an election, and then the things that we don't expect, but then, you know, get surprised by and need to include, like the war in Ukraine. Um, These are all elements that go into putting together the book every year, but part of the process is just realizing that, It's our responsibility to our readers to make sure that we're covering it all.
3: And how do you all handle the constantly shifting information? Obviously, we'll take the war in Ukraine, for example. Obviously, it starts, it's ongoing. If it were to suddenly end right before uh, publication of the book had come out, how do you handle constantly shifting news when you try to cover it and recap what what happened with that piece of news throughout the year?
10: It's definitely a challenge. Um, you know, one of the most frustrating things about being a book editor, and particularly an annual book editor that is trying to be as up-to-date as possible, is that eventually you just do have to press print. You do have to send those pages down the line into the printer. Um, so it, it definitely is a challenge when you have a story like that, or, or like the election, for example, when you have, you know, results still coming in, some votes in some states Still being counted, some races too close to call, but ultimately, you just have to reflect the numbers um, where they are at the moment that that the deadline is hit, and hope for the best <laughs> and Most of the time it works out, okay, but I have to say this year has been particularly difficult because. You know, one of the biggest news stories at the end of 2022 will be the World Cup soccer tournament, which unfortunately happened late in 2022 because of, you know, the weather in the location where the tournament is being held. So we had to unfortunately uh, send the book ahead of time and we're going to have to look to include our World Cup coverage in the 2024 edition
3: instead. And one of the things I love about the the World Almanac and Book of Facts is it's it's not just it 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 crosses different um, you know genres. I don't think genre is the right right word, but it covers so many different categories. It's not just uh, politics. It's not just news. It's not just sports. It's not just science. It it kind of does it all. And when I think about having to gather all of the relevant information from so many different categories and so many different topics. It, it, it blows my mind and it overwhelms me and I have nothing to do with creating the book. So um, how many people do you have as part of the team when it comes to gathering this? And how long does that gathering process take to have the right information that you want and then translate it into the Almanac?
10: Yeah, it's about 20 people that work on the World Almanac every year. And that's everyone from our editors and writers on down to the researchers and fact checkers and some of our subject specific experts. So for example, we have an astronomy professor who does that very specialized um, information updating and providing that data for us. You know, it's, it's a big job every year, every year for sure. But what really makes it uh, worth it is that so many of the people who work on the World Almanac are just really curious people who are interested in the world and really like to get into the information, that like to get into the data, take a look at the sourcing, take a look at, you know, what are the most authoritative sources within this topic? What can we add to expand our coverage of this other topic? We're always trying to find new sources of information and then going one step beyond that to, to vet the information, to make sure that the methodology is correct, that you know, it's not uh, exaggerated or colored by opinion or partisanship. We're trying to provide you know the basic data on dozens of different topics, um, so that our readers can know that they can pick up the World Almanac and trust that everything has been checked and checked again for them. Um, they can they can count on our accuracy every time.
3: We're speaking with Sarah Jansen. She's the executive editor of the World Almanac and Book of Facts 2023, which is out now. Um, tell me a little bit about the, the the long-term and prolonged success of the Almanac, despite kind of information being available at our fingertips, that people are still wanting the physical book itself. and it, Tell me a little bit about why that's the case and why the Almanac, despite being in the age of the Internet now, uh, is still... It's so successful and so popular.
10: You know, the World Almanac has been published since 1868. So we've been around since before radio even. Um, And obviously the book has changed a lot over the years, not just because of the availability of information, but because it really seeks to reflect the world that we live in, to reflect the way that things have changed from year to year and the ways that things haven't changed. Um, so we're constantly adding new information, new statistics, new sources, and making sure that the World Almanac is staying relevant even as you have you know a glut of information available online. And I will say that you know obviously as a researcher and as an editor, that amount of information <laughs> is certainly you know exponentially larger every year. So the bigger challenge at this point is, Taking advantage of all of those resources available, and making sure that we're we're vetting them, and and making sure that we're using the correct sourcing, and not just you know going to to Google result one on the on the search results page. All
3: right, um, and you know one of the things that's so cool about the almanac is how it's you know broken up. There's there's different categories by there's science news and all those type of things, and there's also little features like. The year in photos, which is very cool to me. I love the features, and the 2023 almanac boasts some new features. What What are some of those things that readers can uh, be looking forward to checking out for the first time?
10: Well, some of our new features this year include, obviously, the election results. Our fantastic feature on the Winter Olympic Games. We also have uh, our what is now a third edition of our coronavirus status report, and then other areas in the book where we've added information that sort of shows reverberations from, you know, these last three years uh, living within a coronavirus age. You know, you have um, information in our education section on test scores and how schools have been impacted. You know, all of these different areas of day-to-day life that you're starting to see research in and data in. Um, I think it's a really great example of how, you know, a news story can have a ripple effect in, you know, not just the same year that it happens, but also as, you know, it echoes throughout the society afterwards. Um, And just on a, you know, happier, happier note and uh, we also added some really fantastic new statistics to our arts of media section this year on uh, streaming programming so we've got you know top-rated movies and streaming shows you know we're constantly trying to identify subjects where our readers are going to be interested in seeing something a little new we've had TV ratings in the World Almanac for a long time both broadcast and cable ratings but this is you know finally the first time Nielsen has data available from the streaming services so we can get a picture of, you know, what we're focusing on from that angle as well.
3: Right, we've got 45 seconds left, Sarah, and this may be an unfair question, kind of like asking a parent, what's your favorite, who's your favorite child? Um, when you're editing the almanac, do you have a favorite part that you love? Kind of just, you take a little extra time to check out the information within it just because you you enjoy the topic and you have fun with the the way it's set up in the book?
10: Well, you know, that is a pretty unfair question, <laughs> but I will say that I do, I do love working on the year in pictures every year. We spend a lot of time with our, our black and white statistical data, and I love that too. But it, there's just something about those full-color pictures of you know the events and news, looking back over you know, those who have passed away in the past year and commemorating them. I do enjoy putting that section together every year. It's a lot of fun.
3: All right, she handled the tough question with absolute grace there. That is the voice of Sarah Jansen. She is the executive editor of the World Almanac and Book of Facts 2023. It is out now. Make sure you go pick up a copy. There's tons of pages, tons of information. You will not get bored with it going through, and you'll learn a lot of stuff too. Sarah, thank you so much for taking some time and joining us. Always a pleasure having you on.
10: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
3: Uh, It was absolutely our pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm Dominic Jimenez. This is a commercial break. And on the other side, we got more sports talk on Sports Byline USA.
8: Moments
2: like watching my grandson steal second mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more.
0: I take eyebrows, palpalcyclic, fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite.
2: How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? call rate genius now
1: 800-811-7913 800-811-7913 800-811-7913 that's 800-811-7913 not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings actual offer terms including apr are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle loan term and other factors
0: has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days, all in a simple over the phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today call this number now
1: 800-950-8218 800-950-8218 800-950-8218 that's 800-950-8218 paid for by want to sell
6: You're listening to Dominic Jimenez on Sports Byline USA.
3: All right. Welcome back to the show. Dominic Jimenez in for Rick Tittle this week, closing up this show with the, the long segment, and then we have a couple minutes after, so I guess i technically not closing the segment up at the show up at all. Uh, you can give me a call. The phone lines are open. No guest here. 1-800-878-PLAY, one 800 878 Seven five two nine. And if you're listening to this live, it's eleven forty on the West Coast, then Argentina has scored. Lionel Messi. Of course. It wasn't really gonna be anybody else. Leo Messi scored. Oh, and as I say that, a second goal for Argentina literally just goes in Julian Alvarez. 2 0. Argentina. They're in the fortieth minute. Yeah, like I said, I I, I wanted Croatia to win. I, I felt like they had a chance, but as soon as Argentina was on the board, Messi with a penalty kick, it, it was going to be over. And then deep down, I'm not a sports-are-rigged conspiracy theorist, never have, never will be, but I'm just saying, were they really going to let Messi not get into the final? Just saying. Not like FIFA's got the cleanest record ever, far from it. But yeah, no, nah, Argentina, they're 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 rolling in the first half. They're 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 going to be fine. Who may not be fine in the world of soccer is the relationship between United States Men's National Team coach Greg Berhalter and midfielder slash forward Giovanni Reyna. Now, in the group stage, there were times when the U.S. needed a goal. They got dull in the offensive half, in the final third, and a lot of people were wondering where's where's put Gio Reyna in, dude. You know he's not as creative offensively as Christian Pulisic, but he's probably your second best playmaker in 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 the attacking third. Bring him in. Put him in. Weston McKenney wasn't hundred percent. Let's 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 sub him off, and let's roll with Gio Reyna. But over four games, Gio Reyna played fifty-three minutes. Now he wasn't one hundred percent healthy in the lead up to the World Cup, but to only play what is that? An average of fourteen minutes per match. You know, a little bit less thirteen. Yeah, 13. It's closer to 13. 13 minutes per match. And there were a couple games where he didn't play. And a lot of people were wondering, where is he? He he can help spark this attack. Well, we've got some answers. Coach Greg Burhalter, who I'm not a fan of. I, I know there are a lot of people, including Alexi Lawless, who say he deserves some respect. He deserves to you know some respect on his name. They won the Gold Cup, they won the CONCACAF Nations League, they made it to the quarterfinals, made it to the knockout stages of the World Cup. I don't care. I think they were winning in spite of Greg Berhalter. I think they could have beaten the Netherlands. They were not, well, to be fair, Anthony Robinson and Sergio Dest uh, on the first two goals definitely had mental lapses and forgot to mark their man. Forgot to defend against the guy they were supposed to be defending against. But Greg Berhalter has consistently shown an inability to adapt at halftime. Even Louis Van Hall, the coach of the Netherlands, the manager for the Netherlands, said yeah, they didn't really adjust at halftime and we took advantage. I don't know what more proof you want than literally the opposing coach said, yeah, we made some changes, they didn't, we won. The Greg Burhals are not the answer for me. And he made some comments at a, at a conference that he spoke at and said, one player was unprepared and failed to meet expectations in Qatar. He says this player had to get up and apologize to his teammates and that his teammates held him accountable for his actions. And then the Athletic later reported that the player he was talking about was Gio Reyna, whose lack of effort in a scrimmage before the opening game was evident amongst his teammates. And it, it, this is an, a report according to Jason McIntyre. I don't, I don't know. It's a report. It's all reports. But Jason McIntyre says, it got so bad, they had a vote amongst the other 25 players whether they wanted to send him home. And it, it was by a 13-12 to 12 count. That report has also been denied, so I'm not going to put too much credence in that. But I will say, there's clearly a problem here. There is a disconnect. And if it's an effort, it's not the first time Greg Berhalter and a player have clashed. He suspended Weston McKinney a couple games during World Cup qualifying. I think he broke some, some team rules or something like that. And he's just fine now. He's he's a rel- uh, reliable player. He's a fixture in this in, in the eleven. He's not going anywhere unless he's hurt. So now the question is, where does Reyna go from here? He is still young. He's only twenty. So if you want to say, you know, he was school or something, or didn't take the training and the exhibition match, the friendly as serious as he should have the scrimmage and it's because he was immature, it's possible. I don't know Gio Reyna. I don't know Greg Berhalter. This is me as a soccer fan watching this unfold from the outside. During the World Cup, where is Gio Reyna? Where is he? Where is he? They could use him right about now. Let's put him in, coach. So we may have our answer there. So how does Reyna bounce back? there there's a different there's different things at play here Borlats may not even be the coach moving forward his future with the national team is not locked in stone so it's possible he continues to coach the national team and Reina is obviously going to be part of it only 20 and already making the team very talented a regular uh rotational player at Dortmund in Germany so what happens there? How does Reyna move past this? Because there's two options for Gio Reyna. Three, really. One, wait it out and hope Greg Berhalter's gone. All right. Two, not change anything about how he prepares, continue to be how he is, continue to fight with his coach. Possibly cause a rift within the locker room of the national team, and we've seen what happens when a coach doesn't get along with a player. The coach will do whatever the coach damn well pleases. A.K.A. Jurgen Klinsmann not taking Landon Donovan to the to the World Cup because they were beefing. And three, Reyna can take this experience, own up to it, which it sounds like he already did. He already apologized. And learn from it and be better. The next World Cup's only three and a half years, so he might be 23, he might be 24. I don't know when his birthday is. He might be 24. Come next World Cup. But that's still a young player. He's got three and a half years to learn, to continue developing at Borussia Dortmund in the Bundesliga. But he's got some work to do. So it's up to him on how he wants to do that and how he wants to approach the way he plays moving forward. Now, you didn't think Gio Reyna wasn't going to respond to this, did you? Of course not. Gio Reyna commented on, put up a post on Instagram. This is what he said. I hoped not to comment on matters at the World Cup. It is my belief that things ha- that happen in a team setting ought to remain private. That being said, statements have been made that reflect on my professionalism character, sorry, excuse me, professionalism and character, so I feel the need to make a brief statement. Just before the World Cup, Coach Berhalter told me that my role at the tournament would be very limited. I was devastated. I am someone who plays with pride and passion. Soccer is my life, and I believe in my abilities. I fully expected and desperately wanted to contribute to the play of a talented group as we tried to make a statement at the World Cup. So just from there, Berhalter's tripping. Why Gio Reyna wouldn't have a substantial role at the World Cup prior to the lackadaisical training is beyond me. He'd rather trust guys like Jesus Ferreira and Kellen Acosta, who Kellen Acosta's highlight was a foul he committed. It was a great foul against Gareth Bale. Got him a yellow card because it was a very tactical, timely foul. But that was the highlight of his World Cup. Come on. Reina continued. I'm also a very emotional person and I fully acknowledge that I let my emotions get the best of me and affect my training and behavior for a few days after learning about my limited role. I apologized to my teammates and coach for this and I was told I was forgiven. Thereafter, I shook off my disappointment and gave everything I had on and off the field. I'm disappointed that there is continuing coverage of this matter as well as some highly fictionalized versions of events and extremely surprised that anyone on the US men's team staff would contribute to it. Coach Berhalter has always said that issues that arise with the team will stay in-house, so we can focus on team unity and progress. I love my team, I love representing my country, and I'm focusing now only on improving and growing as a soccer player and a person. I hope that going forward, each person involved in U.S. soccer focuses only on what is in the best interest of the men's national team so we can enjoy great success at the World Cup in 2026. Come on, Berhalter. If you're going to advocate and preach to keep things in-house, keep things that happen here amongst ourselves, don't go to a conference and you know backhanded comment without actually naming Gio Reyna. There was a player who didn't live up to our standards and professionalism. Come on. There's no need for that. It's like former Spain boss Jose Luis Enrique. What did he say today? Yeah, there was a player I I shouldn't have taken to the World Cup following their elimination. Why? You don't need to say that. You can say that there were some decisions that you regret. Like, hey, maybe not taking David De Gea, the goalie? Not bringing Sergio Ramos? I know he's old, but you're going to tell me that guy wouldn't be appreciated in the locker room as a stabilizing force, uh, as a veteran at center back? Come on. Such a mistake. And Reyna, he owned up to it. He apologized. He did everything that you asked him to do. And you still threw him under the bus. How about you don't limit his role at the World Cup so he doesn't act up? I'm not saying Gio Reyna's blameless in this. But this is on Greg Berhalter. Another reason why he does not need to be the coach of the national team moving forward. What a joke. Need to go drink some water and... Cool off. Luckily it's cold in the studio, so I don't have to literally cool off, but just just when you think you couldn't like a guy anymore, he does something like this. Shout out Greg Burhalter, you joke. I'm Dominic command This is Tiddling Sports.
1: That's 800-943-2153.
6: You're listening to Dominic Jimenez on Sports Byline USA.
3: Welcome back into the show. Dominic Jimenez here, lighting sports, Sports Byline USA broadcasting network, wrapping things off. I have cooled down and perhaps a little bit too much. Again, it is cold in the studio, but you know who's not cold when they're in the studio is guests of Sports Byline because they all receive Columbia sportswear product. Never go inside again. With the warmth that Columbia's Omni Heat Infinity provides through its advanced reflective technology, you can stay outside through anything and everything. Go to Columbia.com gold to shop now. You don't have to go inside again, but also you don't have to be cold when you're in the studio. So shout out to Columbia. Thank you for that, for keeping our guests nice and toasty when they're in the studio when it's cold. I was so distracted during the last break. I, I don't. I didn't even think about, hmm, got a couple more minutes. What, what am I going to talk about? Yeah, not once did that cross my mind. I'm just so irritated by Greg Berhalter. And and just when we thought after the 2018 failure that things were going to change for the U.S. men's national team, it... it the, the the new person in charge i already forgot his name i think he replaced sunil galati but he goes yeah i'm carlos cordero i think that's right that sounds right yeah you know um i'm not a, i wasn't a huge soccer fan until i met sunil oh so old boys club got it not somebody you actually want to bring in to actually make some change are we going to go out and hire a, try to hire a Jesse marsh type kind of guy? Somebody who's got experience overseas? Nah. Are we going to bring in a, a foreign coach to come in and kind of change the ways of the national team? No. We're going to bring in an MLS guy whose brother is part of uh, the, the, the group that runs things here. Like I said, they reached the knockout stage in spite of Greg burhalter Don't let the tournament wins against other teams in CONCACAF fool you. He's not the long-term answer. I'm Dominic Jimenez, Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi. His neck out next. His neck is next. I'll be back tomorrow. Tiddling Sports, Sports Byline USA Broadcast Network.